Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode. Hey, guess what? Before we get into it, you might have heard, I am drafted to the two Ramagpies as a part of the Carlton Draft. I'm going to be playing a game, dominating, kicking six, and then resetting at quarter time. For the first time in Carlton Draft history, one lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT, Erin Phillips, to play as a wild card. How bloody good's that? If you want to enter this now to get her down to your football club, visit thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com. .au. 18 plus, drink responsibly. Welcome back to the tradies, Sam McClure and Mitch Cleary, episode 12, where we each week take you through the trading, the buying and the selling of AFL players. Hello, Mitchell. Hello, Sam. You're wearing a Lakers hat tonight. Yes. LeBron staying, going. What were we thinking with LeBron? Uh, I really don't care. <laughs> Does, d- right. d- does anyone really like? I'm actually planning. His going. career is going to have nothing to do with really. No one's ever going to talk about his career at the Lakers when, unless he wins a ring. When it's all said and done, unless he unless he wins one. I'm going to the states later this year. Yes, and I'm planning it round. I want to see LeBron once live. Yeah, so I so I bought this hat last year on my trip to the US. Yeah, uh, at the Staples Center. And you saw which him? is not called the Staples Center anymore. It's called Crypto.com. Crypto.com. Thank you. And they were playing the Clippers. Yeah, right. And I got tickets. It was actually. Actually, a funny story. I was in LA and I was in uh, a Nike store. And you know the Nike stores in the US are like, like this place is four stories. Yeah. Anyway, these four guys in their 50s, right? They were there on a boys trip across the US from Melbourne. Just stop me. Yeah. G'day, Sam. What are you doing here? Oh, hey, uh, mate. Not sure what you're doing tonight, but one of the boys actually did his ankle. Oh, wow. Before he came, couldn't get on the flight. That We've lost him, but actually got a spare ticket to the Lakers and the Clippers tonight. Gee whiz. Do you want to come? Keep in mind, these tickets are worth like five, six hundred bucks. Yeah. Right. And I was like, firstly, in my head, I was like, I'm not going to basketball with four random blokes. But they were so nice. And I was like, why not? Yeah, overseas is different. I, I, I maintain that wherever you're overseas, you make friends way easier than you do in your own backyard. So I went, had the time of my life. Guys were unbelievable. Bought this hat, watched the Lakers get, get done. I think they'd lost their first five or six okay. of the season, if that sounds about right. It was yeah. the first time LeBron had ever started a season 0-5 in his career. Some, something like that. Yeah. Then they lost. And, of course, they ended up going on a mini run. That's the story of this hat. Now, before we get into lots to talk about tonight. Plenty. Before we get to the whiteboard and before we talk about Sydney, the bowling night. Mm. What happened? Did you like my shoes? So I sent a photo to our group chat of my new fluoro shoes that this I put is, on at Strike Bowling in this Melbourne is good Central. For, for, for non-visual medium. One bright pink one bright green shoe just painting the picture it wasn't you it was a little it, it, it was a little too indie for you oh way too yeah yeah not your um, style but they were the shoes I was given how'd you go two rounds horrible early took a bit of warming into it but I actually won the second round um, but it meant nothing really on the night because I didn't progress through to the uh, the next stage so who won it Richie Hall our chief cameraman at channel 7 nice any notable stories from the night how did Tom bowl Tom was in Sydney wasn't there, right. but uh, no, no, a good night. Work functions, but I don't think a lot of people and talk to other mates since COVID, people sort of don't really do them as much anymore. So it's good to get 30 or so people from the newsroom, from the entire newsroom, library, graphics, cameramen, journos. So your story is you went bowling and yeah. had fun. Yep. Glad we could. Good Friday night. Glad we How was your Friday night? Because as we left the show last week, we learned that you were heading to Sydney yes. to see where that story headed and another loss for the Blues, their fourth mm. in a row. What did you take out of the SCG and your trip to uh, New South Wales? Bit, bit happened on yeah. the Sydney trip. Let's start. Were you in the rooms when the the uh, I was not Craig Matheson Luke says I was not incident. I was uh, I was in the stands in the members 
uh, level or whatever the top tier is, level three, I think it is, the SCG. It's a great place to watch the footy, awesome. by the way, the SCG. Yeah. And it's about halfway through the second quarter, and I just hear, McClure! <laughs> Tradies! <laughs> I'm thinking, no way. New we've South hit, Wales. We've hit Sydney. We've hit Sydney. So this now there's a, a group the row in front of me. Mm-hmm probably about eight to 10 of them, girls and boys. And let's say the polite way of putting this is that they'd had a couple of ales <laughs> and they were enjoying oh, themselves. I find Sid- the SCG crowds are rowdy. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's like a big social thing to go from work on the Friday night rolling into the footy. Oh, it's awesome. Anyway, I think it was halfway through the second quarter that De Koning took a big mark, 30 minutes out directly in front. I think he ended up kicking the goal. And the guy who's wearing Sydney colours turned around and said, so... Is he coming? And, you know, like a sort of bit of friendly banter. I'm not sure. You have to listen to Monday's, to Tuesday's episode. That Is he on the stuff. whiteboard? Yeah. Well, I didn't quite get the whiteboard. And then he said, and I, I, we should incorporate this somehow for the rest of the season. He said, are you Switzerland here? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're a Carlton guy, but you're reporting on Sydney. Like, are you barracking for the story or are you barracking as a fan? Are you Switzerland? Or as I was like, that's a great question. It's a really good question. Anyway. Always barrack for the story. Always back for the story. They were a great, great group of guys, but it was only the uh, it was only the start of many stories to come from Sydney because obviously Craig Matheson in the rooms afterwards when the players were in a meeting, so they didn't see it. He ends up resigning, I think, on the Sunday morning. Um, and then, of course, there's the controversy with where Cripps and Doherty stayed, yeah. and everyone would have followed that today. We're recording on Tuesday, as we usually do. And Caro in sort of like a it was a bit of an off-the-cuff comment, really, about, oh, they may have stayed at a different hotel and then Lloydie said he didn't have a problem with it. And Anyway, then it then, of course, gets reported. Some Lloydie Lloyd, said at the time, though, he would have an issue if they were there the night before, in a separate hotel the night before a game. Yeah, yeah. So there was, there was this sort of like, when did they check in, when did they check out? Yeah. And I sort of became attached to this because I was actually staying at that hotel. At the boutique hotel. Yeah. That's... Nothing gets past you. Like you're really. It must have been a good hotel. Why do you say that? You wouldn't go for uh, four star operations. <laughs> I wasn't there for. I was there for a good time, not a long time. Exactly. <laughs> More to my point. Uh, great little hotel called Oxford House on Oxford Street. There's the plug. If you're going, no, 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 no. Excuse me, I paid full freight. Thank okay. you, as I always do. Yeah. If I'm going there again, and they would like to offer me, and um, <laughs> and I, so I'm walking downstairs on Saturday morning to go out for breakfast. And Sam Doherty and his lovely wife and their young child come in. Hey, how are you? Tough night last night. You know, see you around. Like it was a 20-second conversation. Yeah. But I did think to myself, I wonder why he's staying here. You know, like I assume they'd travel back. But I wasn't the only only journo staying at that hotel. And then then I hear that the plane gets back to Melbourne and you're you're at the airport, of course. I was you waiting are. at the other end. You wouldn't be enjoying your Saturday or doing things <laughs> social. You were waiting at the other end, and so like it becomes fairly easy to work out that the only two that weren't there were, were Cripps and Doherty. Yeah, and so I sort of like I, I was watching on what Caro said, and then seeing Cripps's response, and I was like, you know, quite interested in in, in all of it. And then you know, Cripps has passionately defended himself, and it, it seems like Caro and and Footy Classified have sort of sent out an apology. So just. Back to that. Caro heard from you or one of the other journos. This is how it got back to Caro? No, 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 no. Caro heard, I don't know if you heard it, but it, it seemed fairly well known within 36 hours that because they weren't on the plane, yeah. they were staying somewhere else, which 
which happens all the time, by the way, but it's more it's more people like, and I say you because you were at the airport, are thinking, are they injured? You know, Cripps had come off of that ankle. Yeah. Sometimes players end up staying in hospital. It's how you get stories knowing who was not on, on the Well, my plane. thinking so, went to, most, more often than not now, clubs have a day or two off after every game anyway. Yeah. And I thought if they're a Friday night game, they'll probably be back at the club Monday. So players are well within their right to have extra time off. But the, the question went down to, were they at the hotel staying with their teammates the night before the game? Which is right. the story to me anyway. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it just got me thinking, this will be done in, it always seems like a bigger story at the time. Yeah. By Wednesday morning, no one will be talking about it because it's just a little kind of like, it's a tiny story in the scheme of things. But it just got me thinking about apologies. And I don't know, I was actually thinking about you driving here tonight from work. Yeah. Have you, like- There's been a few where I've probably- I can't really remember de- you. Over details, not nothing publicly of that nature. Yeah, okay. And I think the Crips Instagram always adds, just is just gasoline to the fire. Because yeah, Because it's right. a public- Public just is like froths the player v. Journo interaction like Cripps. Had Cripps not have done what he did today, this story is already forgotten. Yeah, yeah agreed. And like by the, I've read somewhere by the sounds of it, like Caro's called him and then yeah. cleared it up. So it's like it's sort of done. Like it'll be yeah. over really quickly. I don't think there's going to be any lasting scars over it. But I was thinking back to, to my situation last year, which feels like a long time ago, when like a Journo gets a legitimate – like when you are actually forced to apologise publicly for something – and your name is attached to it. And so I was thinking about this today because of Caro, and Caro's name was attached to that whole situation with the Adelaide camp story yep. with me as well because she had reported about it on Footy Classified as well as I think she'd written a column. And so it just got me thinking about like, when I hear apology now, it's so triggering to me because I still remember I still remember exactly where I was. I was standing, there's a, f- a little French cafe um, in Gravel Street, Paran, which is very close to where I live. And I was reading the Saturday paper. It was page three and it was an apology. From you? No, it wasn't from me. From the- It was from the newspaper yeah. on behalf of me and Caro. Like our names were attached to it. And they did their best. I've got to be careful exactly what I say here because there's, there's still legal stuff that could play out. But they did their best to word around it and to make it the nicest wording possible. But in the end, anyone that picked up the paper- would have read it and thought, well, there's something wrong with that story then. It's not bare on page 48, is it? No, it's page three. And it's it's online. It has to live online for 48 hours or something. And then, of course, within 12 hours of the apology being out, the Herald Sun then write the story. And then suddenly suddenly the story has a face. And then like I found myself, like the photo was at then, like I, I actually remember – I turned, I turned off all notifications and I, I was forcing myself not to go anywhere near news outlets. But the worst part is I ended up having a lot of my mates, particularly people who associate with news a lot, texting me, mm. asking if I was okay. And I was sort of like, I felt like re- sending it like a reply or can no one text me asking if I'm okay because it makes me want to go back and read what's being written. Yeah. Anyway, it was a, uh, I, could, I could talk about it now quite openly, well, but it was, a, it was a horrific time. Like it's up there with the worst, the darkest moments of my life that- that three months that it went on for, and then like losing the award, and I don't want to make this about because um, we talk about happier things. But that you've got back now the the award, just to be clear. Yeah. Well, it's worth do noting. You know, do you know I never? I don't know if I've ever talked about this publicly. Do you know I never actually received the award in the first place? So because <laughs> it's COVID. No, no, it was the year before COVID. I think no, it wasn't. No, no, it was it was middle of COVID. It was coming out of because the story was what twenty twenty. The night of the the night of the quills, I get the award right. It's like a physical like glass quill and then i'm sitting on the table with all of our lawyers right and that you know a couple of associates get invited and blah 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 and the youngest lawyer there was clearly like he was allowed to come as long as he 
brought his backpack and anytime anyone associated with that law firm won an award, we give him the, the thing, he puts it in his backpack and he takes it back to the office so that we can all kick on and have a, have a, a oh. beer or, or six. Yeah. So the quill goes back to the office. I forget about the actual award for months, which turns into over a year. Then the award gets taken off me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I never got it anyway, so whatever. And then they give it back. I still – I don't know where it is. Physically don't go, have it. Just quickly, when you're talking about that, I probably should have mentioned the whole Richmond Hub, Trent Cotchin, Brooke Cotchin story oh, with the apology. Yes. We, that, we'll get to that another time. But yeah, we, when, I, when I you asked me – I want to properly unpack When you that. asked me, have I ever been forced to apologise? And I sort of said, well, not nothing public. Well, when you were starting to talk about your – that instantly came back to me because I still remember where I was when it happened – I was in my apartment, yep. in my room for basically 48 hours dealing with all sorts of phone calls, but we'll get to that another time. But I was remiss of me. It was remiss of me not to mention that earlier when you asked me. So I just wanted to put that on the record. And on the, Thank you. Both of our situations, we had employers that ultimately at some point we would have felt like let us down, right? Now, again, I'm not, I'm not, trying, to, I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to say anything that you're not comfortable with saying, but it's, I guess we've always promised that on this pod we'd be honest with yeah, with oh, the, with the listeners. That's just natural, isn't but it? But I, I remember that feeling of yeah. Particularly when you when you're a journo trying to break stories, you get smashed from a lot of different angles. But you'll always fall back on that your employer will be your, your pillar of strength. Yeah. When when that starts to be questioned, even though they would say it's not, but but when you start to get inside, to use a Damien Hardwick term from last week, when you get in that cave in that dark place, yeah. It's hard to pull yourself out of it. Correct. Anyway, uh, we, we started few, on started on a slightly dark note. A few trades to get to. Before we get started, make sure you hit the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss a beat. And also make sure you uh, rate and review the podcast. Mitchell, the whiteboard, why don't, you, why don't you start us off? I want to put the 2019 first round draft on the whiteboard for me. You're putting a whole first round on the whiteboard. And there's five players. Are you going to go up to the whiteboard and write every single pick? <laughs> every single one. Okay. There's five players I want to talk about, and I'll just do a, a, a brief line on each. No, no, no. Take your time. Liam Henry, Fremantle player, possessed with arguably the best skill set or among the best skill set of that draft. His highlights package coming into that draft was phenomenal. Hasn't found his way into that best Fremantle 22. Has been playing waffle for the last month. There will be interest for a player of his quality, given he was a top 10 pick at the time. Yep. Now, he's going to get through to the bye when Freeman, and then I think sit down with his manager, Colin Young, to, to work out where it all sits. But just one to keep an eye on this one would be the relationship between Liam Henry and Stephen Silvani. That night, Stephen Silvani went on a bidding frenzy when Carlton had that top 10 pick, and he was bidding on players left, right, and centre. And Liam Henry, when Soss was list manager of the Blues at the time, actually bid on Henry, which forced Fremantle to take him where they did. Mm. Now, Sosses at St Kilda, they're going to be looking for they're going to be looking for those sort of players. Yeah, so definitely. just keep an eye on Liam Henry. No, I, I like that and that that, that uh, relationship. But out of contract at the Dockers, not in their best team, will be a watch. Lockie Ash playing really good footy. Another important game on the weekend as part of that Giants win over Geelong. Out of contract has always said all year that he'll wait to talk about it later in the year. I don't think the Giants are too worried about him, given uh, country Victorian kid loves the environment and playing really good footy under Adam Kingsley, but. Given he's coming out of contract and playing career best footy right now, that is a watch for the second half of the year. But again, I expect him to stay. Dylan Stevens at Sydney, top five pick. Not many people remember that, but he was a top five pick taken for the Swans, part of their grand final side last year. Given, Dropped. Given Jared Healy's number. Yeah. The team of the century at Sydney. Number three. Important at the, yep. at the club. Just dropped on the weekend yep. out of contract. Now, coming to this part of the season. So he's a WA boy, right? South Australian. So, SA. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a watch for the second half of the year, given 
I find coming into the buy, and we can talk more about this, but coming into the buy when you're not in the team, you go back to family and friends, you sit down with your manager as an out-of-contract player, mm. things start to pick up a bit. And if he's not in the team at the moment, given the injuries they've got, that is one to keep an eye on. Then a couple at Port. Mitch Georgiatis, we know has done his ACL. I think that's just been put on the back burner, his contract for a while as he sorts out his recovery. But WA player, we've spoken about on this show Stacks of interest last year from the Eagles. He knocked back a really lucrative offer from the Eagles last year. Then the other one is Miles Bergman, Victorian kid at the power. A bit like Lockie Ash coming into his own now as a really good AFL player. Has going to be going to be having six, seven, eight plus Victorian clubs chasing Miles Bergman. I think has to get through to the bye. But there's five players from the first round of that draft just to keep an eye on coming into the second half of the year. I'm actually going to that draft as well. Yep. Pick 17. Brody Kemp. Yeah. So played on the weekend after coming into the team because they dropped Lewis Young. Mm-hmm. Now, you might remember Stephen Silvani, as you were just talking about, done that bidding frenzy. They end up trading pick 11 away. So they bid on all those players. I think it was Henry, Tom Green, and then when it got to their pick, he decided to trade it. Yep. So they traded 11 away as well as 62, and they got back 20 and 17, which they thought was a really good deal because they wanted to take Kemp early anyway, and they thought he'd slide, mm-hmm. but he did. So they get Brody Kemp at 17, and he's 192 centimetres, 88 kilos. They're basically drafting him as a midfielder. Yep. Now, he hasn't played as a midfielder. Came in off the ACL as well. Came in off the ACL. They tried him forward, ended up developing as a, as a defender in the VFL, and he's been in and out of the side. Mm. I thought he was pretty good on the weekend, watching him live. And, you know, with weedering out of form – McGovern out of contract, Lewis Young in the twos. Caleb Marchbank still concerned. Caleb Marchbank's just come back for, through the VFL, so you can't really rely on him. And, you know, obviously Caleb's been through a lot. Kemp, for me, just becomes a, like a really interesting proposition mm. for how how hard they fight to keep him. And he's only 22. Key backs that are versatile, and he's a pretty good kick, are hard to find. Um, so out of contract, I think there'll be clubs looking at him at the end of the year and, you know, he, along with the guys that we've spoken about and you've spoken about, De Koning, Jack Silvani, Jack Martin, Mitch McGovern, you know, there's a lot of questions. And I know there's been a lot of stuff said about Carlton this week and like Jonathan Brown thinks they should look to trade Harry Mackay and all that sort of stuff. It's these mid-rangers that they fight so hard for in the draft, you know, to yeah to give up on him after four years. I'm not suggesting that they are going to do that, by the way. Yeah. But I just reckon it would be sad if given all the work that they've put into him and, and they haven't really given him a fair run at it if he just leaves when he's 22. But they would have, he would have had admirers going that early in the draft yeah. at the time. There'll be recruiters around the competition that will go, gee, I think we can turn Brody Kemp into something that Carlton may not be seeing at the moment. Mm. And that's where you get these suggestions where Carlton would probably be paying him right now, what, 250, 300? If that. Maybe that. As a first rounder when he re-signed, he would have, would, would have been looked after okay. But there might be another club out there thinking – Gee, we could pay him four fifty five hundred, and and maybe get you know, and and, and how important is the second half of the year for him for a player who's had injuries? Mm. Can you can you do the whiteboard? Yep. Tonight it's on Tuesday's a leg day at the gym, so oh. it's, it's 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 a little bit a little bit sore. Um, so I just talked about Brody Camp, not to make this all about Carlton, but they are kind of the story of the season. Given he's already up on the whiteboard, we should do a TDK update. So he comes back in thirteen disposals, he kicks a goal. Had five hitouts. Wasn't really using the ruck that much. Um, I actually thought he was pretty good, to be honest. Like Mackay and Kuno struggled. I thought Deconing was was pretty good. Now the interesting part for Tom is that Pitnet, since we've done up this pod, mm. has re-signed Mitch for well, four yeah. years. Four years. What'd you make of that? It feels long. I'm not going to lie. When when Do I you first know what sort of that, money it is, I'm not. It's not massive money. 
I've since made a few calls about that. It's it's not mega money, which we've is spoken it, is on. It, is it average AFL salary? I always like coming back to the average number and just saying where from that. Or is it, it wouldn't be – you never get definitive bit. figures, but it wouldn't be much over the 400. Yeah, obviously it's sort of like the, the four-year sort of just under $2 million mark. Yeah, okay. I'd be saying it's around the average wage, which is good security for a player like Mark Pitnett. Do you think Pitnett re-signing has an impact on Deconing re-signing? Yeah, I do. I think that by re-signing Mark, it, it just shows that Tom isn't necessarily their their long-term number one ruckman. If mm. Mark Pitnett had signed for two years, I would have thought that's another two years for Tom Deconing to be the ruck forward, but not in years three and four. That's when I thought Tom Deconing, if he was to stay at Carlton, you know, three or four years from now, he should be pushing for that number one ruck mantle. And Mark Pitnett's contract tells me right now that's not the avenue for Tom Deconing. He, he's we, seen more we, as a ruck forward for Carlton. But we've talked about like – I'm just trying to look. So he was my he was my first item on the whiteboard of this show. Yours yep. was Cozzy Pickett. Cozzy, of course, re-signing, so he's off the whiteboard. We talked about this the first time we brought him up, and that is Carlton don't see him as their number one ruck. Like now, this, that's I always thought it was that was that was for now. But I thought in three or four years, yeah, Tom DeConing was going to be that number one ruckman. And this Pitnet contract says to me they don't think that. But I don't think Tom wants to be the number one ruck. This is the issue, right? This is the interesting thing is that like there's the, – and don't get me wrong, I'm always happy to criticise clubs when I think they're doing stuff wrong. But there's this rhetoric that's out there that's seeping in, which is Carlton are doing Tom DeConing the dirty by not playing him in the ruck. Now, I've been critical of playing him in the twos because I just think it's stupid. Like they're getting smashed every week and he's a really good talent and he's playing in the twos. It's just a waste of time. Mm. But – I just think like the position that he plays is is interesting. So now now Pitnett's broken his hand. It looks like this. So, I was just about to say. So the, the whole the whole conversation might be obsolete by Friday because he might have to play as the number one ruck. But I think to your point, Carlton have safeguarded themselves by saying, well, whatever we end up doing with Tom, what we know is that we've got a very good option, which at the very least is a fullback. Yeah. As a guy who is a genuine tap ruckman. It's a big investment to say if he's a fallback in if you, you, you're trying to convince Tom DeConing to stay. Yeah. If it is that 500 mark. Yeah. I, I just think it it depends with what they end up doing with their mix. Like The other factor so for- if, if Sorry, D-Trap. I was just yeah. going to say, if, I, I thought Carlton actually played better. or well, the air raid siren's about to make a, an appearance on Friday night. And if Harry kicks two of his three shots or two of his four, he kicks one out of the full. So if he kicks two, two, Charlie kicks two instead of one. They should win that game. I mean, some, but like, what yeah. I'm saying is that the tall forward line actually looked okay. I, I, I didn't mind the the mix. They like McGovern. They probably should have played Silvani enough back, given that he's out of contract. I think it was worth trying for one week in the VFL though. Yeah, and, maybe. And, he, and from all reports, acquitted himself really well. And yeah, we're, we're talking about the pit net deal in terms of what it means for Tom DeConing. I, I think it has just much bearing on on Jack Silvani. Do you? Because they've proven and they've continued to tell us they're not going to play all five. Mackay, Kerno, Pitnett, then DeConing and Silvani all on the same team. Yep. And you've got Pitnett on four years, Charlie on a long-term deal, Harry on a long-term deal. What does that mean? And if Tom DeConing is to stay, what does that mean for Jack Silvani? Is he all of a sudden a centre-half back? Because there's- He's played literally every position on the ground. That's why I think yeah. he's he's too valuable to, to give to a, a rival. But when their season was on the line, he found his way into the twos. Yeah, but that was, that was a terrible decision. That, that was the well, beginning of the end. They lost to Adelaide. Yeah. He ended up coming on as a sub halfway through the game. So it says to me, at the end of the year, there's no way that Tom DeConing and Jack Silvani can stay at this club. One has to go. Yeah, interesting. Um, you touched on it before with Dylan Stevens, just before we move on to nuts and bolts, the impact of the buys 
mm. coming up. So you think it, it's 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 a, it's a moment in time or in the season that starts to sway things? Yeah. The Luke Jackson couldn't have articulated it better last year. He said at the end of the year when he chose Fremantle, I came to this decision when I sat down with my family and my manager over the mid-season buy and came to the decision it was time for me to explore my future. Just for the listeners, a lot of what happens now is clubs will throw themselves at players. So let's just use – we'll use one – Random example being, I'm just going to pull one out, a Miles Bergman out of the, the hat. Ten Victorian clubs, I, I would say there'd be six or seven that would have chased Miles Bergman and be calling his manager, chasing and, and wanting to sit down with him. But more often than not in these scenarios, and these are all players, like Luke Jackson, for example, the player will sit down with the agent at the midway point of the season and their family and decide, do I want to stay? And then the manager carries on and talks exclusively with his current club and works towards a deal. Or, no, I'm getting my head around now. I'm happy to open to exploring the market. And that's when the other clubs get brought in. Mm. Out of all the out-of-contract players in the competition, I reckon there'd be less than half a dozen that would have actually met with a club by now. It's between rounds 13 to 20 when these meetings start to happen. It's Mm. when a player sits down and says to their manager, I want to start talking to other clubs. And that's where the other clubs get brought in. Yeah, it's a great point. It's, It's really the decision that you make with your family and then tell your manager as yep. to which way you start going. So Tom DeConing right now, to use him as an example, no doubt over Carlton's buy, he'll have a penciled in meeting with his agent, Robbie DeRazio, mm. and his family to sit down. We spoke last week about how important his dad will be as part of this as yep. an ex-AFL player. And then if Robbie and the management get the green light to go ahead and start meeting clubs, that's when they'll call back Geelong, call back Sydney, call back St Kilda and say, yep, hey, he's actually looking around. He's looking around. All right, that's where you step in now. Put in your best offers. Yeah. We'll talk to him. That's, uh, yeah. Is that how you read it? That, that's, yep. that's that's the sense. And, and a lot of agents I've spoken to in the last fortnight suggest that the, the mid-season buyers, when they're going to start talking to their players about their future plans. There's there's absolutely – let's just call a spade a spade. That there's no way Tom DeConing's not listening to other offers. Yep. It's just not possible. Like, what, Why would you lock yourself into Carlton right now? There's nothing over the first 11 weeks that will have – and we spoke about that well, game the when place he was dropped. could be a bombsite in 10 weeks. Yeah. But they could also be, you know, back in the eight. And he's starring it. But you, in the ruck or you, full forward. Yeah, like, but you can't get a Tom DeConing stage at round 22 and start looking at other offers. You need to start looking at That's what round. I mean. That, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Hello, my beautiful friends and family. Guess what? I am back. I am back. Third time lucky. My third time drafted in my life. I'll be making a return to footy as a part of the Carlton Draft, along with some big household names. Not as big as my name, but uh, some quite big names. Isaac Smith, Trent Cotchin, Matty Lloyd. Lee Montagna, some of the all-time greats of our game, as I've just mentioned. One lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT, Erin Phillips, to play as a wild card. How bloody good is that? If you're a part of women's community footy and you are keen to get Erin down, enter now at thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com.au. 18 plus, drink responsibly. Okay, time for Nuts and Bolts. Okay, Gold Coast v Adelaide this weekend mm. in Darwin means one man is playing his first game against his old club, which is Isaac. Thank you. As uh, as Dwayne Russell, who uh, you and I have both worked with, said uh, on the call during the week, Sir Isaac, Sir Isaac Newton. Jez is good with Rochelle together. Oh my goodness. We'll get to how he's playing at the moment. So Isaac ranking halfway through last year, right? Talk about moments in time. Halfway through last year. He's having he's in the middle of a of a really good season. Well, let's say really good. Like it was a breakout season. He ended up kicking twenty nine goals in eighteen games. As a small forward playing for a, a pretty mediocre team. Yeah. That's a good return. Sunday, July twenty six, 
which is round 15, Gold Coast go to the Adelaide Oval and play Port Adelaide. They yeah. lose by two points. Isaac's got a lot of family in Adelaide. They're all in the rooms afterwards, and he starts thinking, well, this could be me for the rest of my career. Family in the rooms afterwards, how good would this be? Now, at this stage, he's got a very lucrative five-year deal on the table from the Gold Coast Suns, which is around, I think, the $700,000 mark yep. with, inc- Sounds with incentives. Right to me. Yep. He was going to sign that deal even after the whole, I could see myself playing here at home. Adelaide had been sniffing around for a while, but he was ready to commit to Gold Coast. He was just starting to find his feet. Ben King's going okay. Lukosius is going okay. They're all in the same draft. Remember, all taken in the first, what, six picks? Then Essendon come along. Five years, 800 grand. Unbelievable money. And he goes, he talks to his manager, who's uh, Gary Winter, which is the W group. Yep. Gary Winter and- Dimitri Parhas. Dimitri Parhas. Yep. Based in Adelaide. Based in Adelaide. They're a smaller boutique management group. Um, they managed Eddie Betts. They were Sam Groff's manager when he was on the international tour as a top 50 player in the world. Tyson Stengel played a big role in getting him yep. back to AFL footy. Yep. And I think uh, Gary's a uh, well-known, had a well-known legal career before he went yep. into management, right? Okay. So he, he looks around and goes, really? Like, can I actually get that sort of catch? And you can understand, like, young man, that's a lot of money. Eventually says no to Essendon and then Adelaide come back. Similar money, short-term deal. And Adelaide got wind of how excited he was being around his family at the Adelaide Oval yep. after that power game. So the Suns start worrying. It's a slippery slope. They end up knowing that they're going to lose him. He goes to Adelaide on a three-year deal at 800. But my understanding is the 800 doesn't include any CBA increases. So it's a flat 800. But that's okay because they've signed a a short-term deal. So the idea is that he ends up having three really good years. He's made a good start to that Mm -hmm. first half of of, of the first year. And he ends up cashing in on a longer-term deal. After that, now the interesting part about it is what Gold Coast end up getting in reply. They end up getting in a trade Adelaide's first round pick, which I think was pick five, which turned into pick six, which turned into Bailey Humphrey, which as you saw on the weekend and the previous week before that, if you've been watching the Suns, he's a man who can really play. Yeah, doesn't uh, say a lot, which is why he's got the nickname the Bear, Humphrey B. Bear, of course. But I wonder where he got that from. But he can play, and a lot of clubs try to get that pick off Gold Coast last year to move yeah. up in the draft. I just want to make this point though. Like it's good to play that Humphrey looks like he's going to be. You put Isaac Rankin and the way he's playing in that Gold Coast team now, and we are having a very different conversation about them. Like they're they're yeah. not that far out of the eight. They nearly beat Melbourne. He's a match winner. They are starting to build something. Like Took Miller's gone down and Rowell and Anderson have gotten better. You put Rankin in that forward line at the feet of Ben King. It just changes stuff, and great for Isaac. I'm so happy that he's um, he's playing good footy. He's home, but I'm just saying from the Gold Coast perspective, I can understand why they would look at him and be so frustrated about what he could have brought their team. And to be honest, Mitch, I still reckon there's no love lost between the Suns and the Bombers. Yeah. Because I, I think that if the Bombers don't make that huge play, he signs at the Suns and he's still there. That's my gut mm. feel. That Bombers one was interesting at the time, wasn't it? Because we knew that they had the Davy twins coming through. Yeah. And it was like, hang on, now they are actually having a proper go here. Yep. And it was the whole box and dice as part of the uh, approach to Isaac Rankin. Imagine imagine Rankin with the Bombers now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Rankin with anyone, right? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, he, he and he and Rochelle doing what they're doing together, they're going to cause some real headaches. I really hope they make the eight because I really want to see guys like that play in finals. The Crows? Yeah. Yeah. Rochelle and Rankin is up there with the best ticket in town. And how important is that right now with, you know, as you talk about Humphrey, he's going to be an exceptional player for the Gold Coast Suns. Hope so. Let's hope they can, can keep him because he's going to, as a Victorian from Gippsland, he's going to command a lot. But Isaac Rankin and that team helps them make finals right now, which could in turn make a difference in Stewie Jew's future. Hey, if you've got a player that uh, you want to talk about or that you would like to hear me and Mitch talk about in so far as a trade that they went through or a situation potentially when a trade didn't go through, any suggestion for nuts and bolts, hit us up. Uh, you can go to Twitter. You can go via Instagram page. They're both handled at Tradies Podcast. Next week, I've got a special one. Oh, mm. any hints? Next week, I am taking I'm taking you on for the mantle of best nuts and bolts after your your dusty thing was uh, was something to behold. Love that story. Got so much feedback on that story. Really. Next week, Hawthorne are playing Brisbane. We're going to take you through how Luke Hodge ah. came out of retirement and ended up signing for Brisbane. And uh, a little bit like you, it involved me and an aeroplane <laughs> to get a camo oh. into a situation for an interview. And uh, I was juggling a couple of employee, uh, employers at the time, Mitch. So there's a bit in that. We're going to leave a bit, bit more time, special edition of Nuts and Bolts next week. I'm going to be racking my brain all week between next now and next. But did that interview ever, or did that content ever make, yeah. see the light of day? Yeah. It was on Talking Footy. Oh. It was the grand final uh, episode of Talking Footy. We had a live audience. It was, at the time, the highlight of my career. Okay. Look forward to it. In fact, sorry, let me just... At the time, it was the highlight of my life. <laughs> These <laughs> things do consume you. Trust me. They do. I can't believe. Looking back now, I can't believe how much it did consume me. Um, okay. So it's got written on my rundown here, Mitch to lead discussion on mid-season draft. So I'm just looking at our producer, Scott, now. If I could just, I'm going to go down. It's a bar literally below <laughs> where we record called Concrete Boots on Burnley Street. If you ever hear- If I could just go downstairs and have between- Two and five pints while you talk to yourself. I might need longer. I'm the, that swept okay. up about the mid-season draft. All right. Stone Edward for me. How excited are you? 24 hours away, mid-season draft. Is it actually tomorrow? It is. Okay. So apologies to those who will listen after the Wednesday night because- a lot oh, of these, I'm sure they'll be devastated. Well, everything I say might turn to crap. <laughs> so we know the stories. Marlon Pickett, John Newcomb, John Noble, Will Snelling- there's been some, some fantastic stories. There's been stories. some unbelievable stories come out of it, yeah. So clubs can go to the mid-season draft tomorrow night, being Wednesday night, to see what they can do in that space. Typically, it's either ready-made, you go now for a, a player like a Marlon Pickett who can impact your side straight away, or what clubs will do is warehouse the 19-year-old who they think will get in before the November draft, a kid who might go pick 30-40 in the November draft, will bring them in straight away as a 19-year-old Which now. Which is fundamentally... One of the reasons I hate the mid-season draft is the warehousing. Because it, it's just turned into clubs getting yeah. in before. The mid-season draft should be about the ready-made player who's dominating at a, a level below who mm. can come in and try to have an impact or fill a hole for the now for teams. Yeah. As soon as you give Mitch clubs the, the, the loophole of getting in first and warehousing, it's garbage. I'm sorry. It just is. It, 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 it's not what... It's not what our game was was based on. I don't think that's what the mid-season draft was brought in for originally, but clubs are always going to work to the rules, and they're the rules are before but, them. But that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't like it. Yeah. But having said that, the, the stories like 
Marley and Pickett and John Noble are, are awesome for our game. But yeah. I just yeah. And you know what? It's gonna happen with the mid season trade period when it comes in. Yeah. It's it's just gonna be end up being a loophole for clubs getting inside the heads of players who are contracted before the end of the year while they're playing. It's 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 bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm calling it out. And it, it's also fast track clubs' decisions on their decisions on their current list because you've seen today Sydney officially put a line through Paddy McCartan, Paddy McCartan. Yeah, for the awful. season. Yeah, yeah. Um, really hope he can get back to see at the final year of his contract, which is really good that he does have a deal for 2024. Yep. Um, and he's at one of the best clubs you could be at for a situation like this. Yep. The Swans will take care of him. Um, but we all thought he was up against it to get back. But now that's fast-tracked Sydney's decision this year because they've got to open up a list spot by putting him on yep. the inactive list. So West Coast have pick one. Ryan Marrick, everyone is talking about as the kid that will go there. 19-year-old overlooked in last year's draft. Late bloomer. You might have seen the story. He's lost 20-plus kilos after what he describes as snacking a bit during COVID. Snacking? We all uh, were on those <laughs> on that a bit. Not sure 20 kilos worth, but <laughs> the double-coated Tim Tams definitely came out. Um, so, yeah, he is expected to go to West Coast. All sorts of kids, sort of that 19, 20-year age bracket. Clay Tucker's a young ruckman. James Trezise is at Richmond's VFL. We've spoken about Richmond having the, the lack of key position depth to come on. They look might look for a player like him um, to come in for them. Harry Arnold is a Brisbane VFL player who Sydney are looking at as a ready-made centre-half back, as a 22, 23-year-old. Oh, I'm already losing you here. A couple other names you'll, I'm you'll realize. I'm waiting for my beer to be delivered. <laughs> Quinton Narkle, who was at Geelong, trained with Richmond, Essendon. Now uh, expect him to maybe get a look. Oscar McDonald and Sam Naismith, who was a Sydney Ruckman, uh, is playing with Port Melbourne, doing a great job in the VFL. Is he? Is, did I read somewhere that Naismith is also on the list of a VAFA team? Probably. Because these he, VFL. He might be on Old Zab's list. Probably. These VFL players often have a um, local club they have to be tied to. Right, okay. But they rarely play there. Yeah, but it's a good fallback for them and they probably get a bit of cash on the side if... Yeah, if that gets back there. Not Except to. you're not supposed to win the VAFA. You know, you know the Well, old, old Zabs well. wouldn't do that. Oh, here it comes. Old Zabs wouldn't. So, so just, we're continuing to talk about the mid-season draft, so... <laughs> that, right up to the mic. That is actually the best sound um, in the so, world, yeah, by the way. So, yeah, these are the sort of players, probably not as much hype as there's been on this year's group compared to previous years, um, but... Let's see how many of these names make it onto lists as of uh, tomorrow night being Wednesday. Is that it? That's it. I wanted to keep it tight. That, that was relatively painless in the end. <laughs> one other name, actually, before I oh, go. Okay. Brandon Ryan. Shit. Keep an eye on this guy. He's come out of the VFL for the Northern Bullants. Big, tall left footer. He might uh, surprise a few and come onto a list and maybe, maybe even play a bit of footy this year. Okay. Uh, we might have to make that a, a, a little special because I know everyone wants to listen to... <laughs> Mitch's take on the mid-season draft. Micro Mitch with his own podcast about the mid-season draft. We could draft. pull that out, I reckon. There's a little standalone. Yep. You know you know what will happen, right? One of those players you mentioned will end up – he'll end up having an instant impact. One of them and could win a, a flag story. this year. And then, oh, shut up. And then and then you'll come on in like six weeks and be like, oh, I told you so. Yep. Because that's how you talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, overs and unders. Can we do – we're, we're at the halfway mark. Yeah. So can we do a little retrospective over-unders? A little self-season review? I think so. Because I, 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 a little bit like earlier in the show, I have an apology to make. And like players suggest, the media don't look at themselves and hold themselves accountable enough. Oh, I, I, I look in the mirror a lot. But do you want to start? That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> not like that, but also like that. Yeah. But not like that is what I meant. You go. So I, I would like to sincerely apologise to Luke Jackson. Yep. Who I said wasn't playing 
up to his contract, which, and I'm I'm slightly retracting my apology because the condition on it was that <laughs> that he at the time yeah. he was not living up to his contract, and that was not only just on him, but it was also on Frio and the way that they were using him, moving the ball so slowly. They clearly didn't find a great um, role for him. Peter Bell came out. Um, I think it was before the Brisbane game and actually actually put it on the agenda. It got lost and said, we actually think we can use him as a midfielder more than we are mm-hmm. and not just purely only as either ruck or forward. So the Mark Witsav's ruck actual midfielder. Yeah. And they've ended up actually using him like that. I mean, he had, what's, I think he's had 16 disposals, um, kicked a goal. Had nine clearances on the weekend. On the weekend. Yeah, I was about to say, had nearly double figures clearances. And so, you know, the way that they've changed his role has improved the value that he's been able to bring to the team. Yeah. I still maintain, given the length of the deal and the million-dollar price tag a season, when Sean Darcy is up and running, are they actually going to be able to continue to get the best out of him as a quasi mid-forward mid ruck? Like, yeah. That's a very difficult thing yeah. to manage, and I'll be interested to see what happens long-term with Darcy and whether he ends up looking somewhere else. But I called him out. I know it went big on TikTok, apparently, like for when I was saying that he wasn't living up to his yeah. his contract. His last month and a half, he has been. So well done to Luke. Just on Luke Jackson and Max Gorn, people will say, hang on, but Sean Darcy and Luke Jackson will work because Max Gorn and Luke Jackson worked. The only difference there is you've got Max Gorn, who's the captain of the footy club on really good money. At the time, Luke Jackson was on 200 to 250 grand. Yeah as a second year player when they won that premiership. Yeah. At Fremantle, Sean Darcy would be on oh, at least 700 to the, the to quantify the market value for him. Yeah. And then you got Luke Jackson on over 850. Yeah. Maybe pushing up to 900,000 dollars a season. No, it's more than that. Is it more than that? Yeah, it's a million bucks. I would it's from a seven what year, I've been told it's, it's a seven just year deal, under isn't that. it? It's 7 years. Yeah, it's like 6.9 something million. Okay. Yeah, it's a million bucks. But that's where the value will be. Do you want two of your highest paid players as Ruckman in that team. And that's where you look at Collingwood last year with Brodie Grundy. They didn't want to go down that path. And that's where mm. you get into the conversation of what happens with Sean Darcy. Yeah, but Luke's a very different player to Gordon Grundy. Yeah, but Collingwood had one being Grundy on good cash and they still shipped him off. Mm. I, yeah. I th- think I still would have done the Grundy deal at the time. From Collingwood's perspective in terms of yeah, they- paying him $300,000 a year. No, 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 no. When they initially signed him, he's a two-time All Australian at the time. He's just he just won his second All Australian, I reckon. Yeah. And they signed him on a long-term deal at eight fifty or something. Yeah, and, and Adelaide were coming real hard. And Adelaide were offering more money. I, I just think I think you. I said this before. I think I think just the tenure. Like if I would have said to him, if, if you're willing to go because Adelaide are offering you a couple more years, yeah, fine. I just would have offered him four instead of seven. Yeah. I'll throw this back to you. If Luke Jackson is on that nine to. $100,000 to a million dollars a yeah. season. He's won one match off his own boot on the weekend. He was the difference in that game. How many games a year does he have to win single-handedly or... No, I don't... To be, to, to quantify that deal. No, I, yeah. He has to be in the best three players of the year. On the team. Yeah, he has, yeah. To, be in the well, best, he has to be in the best three players in the team for the duration of the contract. Yeah, and last year there were 50 players in the comp who earned more than $800,000 a season. Yeah, and that and equates probably, to three per team. Yeah, so, so there, you, there go. you go. So that that checks out, right? Yeah. Now people say that's harsh. That's that's the game. Yeah. That, this is our podcast is literally built on that premise of like, what value mm. are you bringing 
to your list yeah and what can your list look for elsewhere separate to your value that's yeah that's the whole point one man who is living up to his value in the last six weeks since i put a bit of a question mark on him and called him out for not living up to his value oh the coach Jack Lukosius at Gold Coast. I don't think he's ever been called the coach. I just made that up. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, he might. It's because I was thinking about Koshi resigning from Sunrise, and I just had Koshi in my head. Yeah. wonder if that'll have a trade impact, Koshi leaving Sunrise. Is Matt Shervington actually going to get that job? I'm not you're, sure. You're big at seven now. You, you, I don't ask questions you, in Sydney like that. You walk the halls of the seven network. I haven't been in the office this week yet. Um, I can't just before we get into this. So I've actually shown some vulnerability, opened up, and said, you know what? I went a bit hard a bit early and I'm yeah. sorry. You've gone that with I'm actually taking credit for this bloke now playing better. <laughs> do, do you see the different lens yeah. that the coach, I think, is a big tradies listener and has been tuning in. No, I Talk think us through Jack and his form. First month of the year, we put it out there that he wasn't living up to that $700,000 plus price tag that he's on at Gold Coast. Clubs were coming hard for him when he last signed at the Suns. Yep. Stayed loyal, but they had to pay a price to keep him on the Gold Coast, kicked five goals on the weekend, was the difference in that win over the Bulldogs in Darwin. And let's hope his second half of the year can continue on because he is a massive part in them deciding whether they play finals or not. And alongside Ben King has a big future up there if he decides to want to commit up there long-term. He's one of, we were talking about Jack Silvani a little earlier. Like I do feel a bit for Jack Lukosius. He's played key back, half back, wing, half forward, key forward. A bit of that for me was throwing behind the footy as a youngster or younger in his career as his body was developing. He didn't have the rigours, the body to stand up with the rigours of playing as a key forward. So going behind the footy and using his kicking as a major tool in his his kit bag was a factor. Um, but no, I think settling him down has been a big asset for him. Okay. Well, thank you for taking credit for Jack Lukosius starting to play well. I'm sure that that will be played inside the rooms at the Gold Coast Suns in Darwin on the weekend. I'm sure it will. They've got a lot of time to kill in their week between the Dogs game and the Crows game. What are you doing this week? What, what am you, I doing? What um, day Have you got days off? I've just had a couple of days off. What'd you do? What does Mitch Cleary do to clear his mind? To cleary his mind? Caught up with a coffee with... Caught up with a coffee? Yep. Yep. Caught up for a coffee with... How was the coffee? Someone uh, from a club, which was good. Who? I won't say. Uh, position? Uh... Just under the CEO. Just under the CEO. That's a weird way of putting it. It's like a C. Like an executive. Hmm. I reckon I know who it is. <laughs> I reckon you've given me one hint and I can I can bet who it is. It's a Victorian club? No. Shit. Uh, while you continue to guess. No, I spent a lot of time on the couch, did some things around home. How about you? What does a day off look like for Sam McClure? I don't have days off. Oh. No. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I am um, just always on the clock. So you're at the... What, what else did you get up to in Sydney? Talking. Can I can I tell you? No, no, I, people people want to know. No, no, I just I, met, I caught up with some friends and had a good time. Um, before we go, I don't know whether I should name this person or not. Let's see how it goes. So you know that I actually work on a column yep. every week that gets printed on the in the Age on Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday is always big for me because I sort of I have my radio show, then I do tradies podcast, and then yeah. I w- wake up Wednesday and I've got to get my column in by. It's supposed to be one o'clock, but it never ends up being one. Always push it back. So it ends up being like four. I get it in right. Or the editors will be on to you. Editor's not happy. I'm not the editor's best friend. The story is it's a it's a really fun story, but it's it's a it's a little bit scandalous and it, it requires a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I used to have this joke with a colleague at the age when I was in my mid twenties. 
And we used to joke that bar the Prime Minister, we could get, we'd be in a competition with each other, we could get anyone's phone number in Australia yeah. within 24 hours. Okay. Right? That theory has been tested this week. Has it been debunked? And I have failed. Oh. Granted, this person isn't based in Australia, but he is, his last name is about as entrenched in Australia as it gets. <laughs> and I reckon- Packer. Think bigger. <laughs> I reckon the people that I rang asking for this guy's number, the majority of which was, I don't have it. And if I had it, I wouldn't give it to you. <laughs> and then the one person who had it was like, I have his number. I was like, can I? No. <laughs> I always feel guilty going to people you don't know that well for a number. Yeah. So I ended up going to a person who I know really well, who's a close associate of this person. And I went to them and said, hey, I'm just trying to chat to XY. It's not a, it's not. It's actually quite a funny story. It's about this, this, and this. And I'm just trying to get him to give me a one-line quote on this. So I was almost trying to like set it up. You know how sometimes as a journal, if you're trying to coerce someone to speak, you're painting the picture of what the piece is going to look like, right? Just a heads up. It always ends up with a 10% more juice than what the, uh, the oh, pitch is. Minimum. Probably usually 20. And this person's got, oh, that's quite funny. I'll ask him because I'm not giving you his number. I'll ask him and I'll come back to you. Great. I was like, this is the closest I'm going to get. The next day, which is today, yeah, mate, I asked him. It was a hard no. How good is it? You're just waiting for the phone to ring, waiting? Well, yeah, it was just a text. Ask him, mate. It was a hard note. How do you go, because I always love working around the time zones, like when you're ringing someone internationally, working out if they're awake, what time, what, how late can I ring? I went through this this week. Yeah. I, and, I got the international dial tone. And the plus, and then like you got to go plus 001. It's so, it's so confusing, everything about making an international call. But who does that anymore? Don't you just, oh, if they're not one of your contacts. Yeah. Or you're ringing a landline overseas, you've got to go the plus 0011 to call out of Australia. It's not that difficult, is it? I mean, it's just double O double one and then whatever the, the country code is and then the number. Yeah, but if you're ringing- pretty, It's pretty simple. If you're ringing actually. people in different time zones and all sorts of things, it gets a bit bit confusing. Mm. Anyway, so that- forward to reading your piece. Remember, follow Tradies on Spotify or iHeart or subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to ask us a question, you can hit us up. Well, you can't hit me up. You can hit Mitch up on Twitter at Cleary underscore Mitch. I'm Sam underscore McClure, but I won't respond because I don't have access to my account. Or via the Tradies Instagram and TikTok accounts at Tradies Podcast. Just on that, you wrote about Pendles last week. Yes. And we didn't talk about it here on the Tradies. We probably should have talked about it. Is he signing on for one more from your... Oh, I think he'll play next year for Collingwood. Mm -hmm. And then I think he'll have a year off. And then I think he'll coach somewhere else. It's the race to get Pendles in 2025. Okay. We'll sign off there. Might have a premiership around his neck. Another one by then. Oh, we should talk about Collingwood more. They've been pretty good next week see you then thanks for joining us for the tradies enjoy your week everyone we'll see you next time thank you for listening to another producey podcast if you enjoyed the show it would be a massive help if you could like follow rate subscribe tap the bell leave a review or even share it with your friends so if you want to get in touch share feedback suggestions or to advertise with one of our podcasts then simply email hello at producey.com thanks for tuning in